Our next reading this morning, our gospel lesson is going to come from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. I invite you to stand as you're able in body or in spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson. Now, when Jesus had heard this, this meaning the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were filled. They took up what was left from the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides the women and the children. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I was having a conversation recently with a friend. And the place they found themselves in, in life, was a challenging one. Uh, They had reached an odd place in life. Uh, Their children had either finished college or finishing college or or training school and um, have moved off. They've moved from Jackson. They've moved out of state. Probably will never come back to Mississippi. And this person, they're single, not married, no, no real family in the area. And they thought, I don't know what to do. I've got no real tie to Jackson now. My kids have moved off. They're far from here. I don't know where they're going. I don't know what they're going to do. To be honest, I don't even know if they'd want me there if they knew where they were going, what they were going to do. But I don't have a reason to be here in Jackson anymore. I don't know what to do. Should I wait and see where they settle and move in that area while knowing that they have their own lives and they may not even be able to see me all that often? So they were thinking through that. But then they were thinking their career is a career that's very client dependent. And they were like, but if if I leave here, am I going to start my career over? Am I going to have to start over from scratch on a career that I worked these years for, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know that I can do that. A career change in my 50s in a potentially unknown area where I don't know a soul with a career that is client-based, I don't know if that's a good idea. So this individual that I was talking with, they had so many choices ahead of them And none of them were good. None of them were easy. None of them had clear outcomes. None of them had easy paths to walk down necessarily. Every 
choice they were faced with had very potentially difficult options. And as they thought through these things, they thought, I don't know what to do. And all the options that lay ahead of them, in many ways, paralyzed them. They're like, I, I don't know what's the best option. I don't know what to do. This situation seems unsolvable. This situation seems to have no clear outcome, and this situation seems to have no choice that is not going to be full of challenges or struggles. So we were sitting and talking, and I said, well, let me ask you this question. What do you want to do? He said, I don't know. I said, well, don't make a decision based off your kids because you may not like them, and they, not mind, they may not like you. Neither one of y'all might not want to be around each other. So don't move somewhere that's just because they are. That might not be a good idea. What do you want to do? Who do you want to be when you grow up? What choice do you feel God leading you to? So this individual began to think about that. So I said, let's think of a timeline. Let's say, give yourself a few months to figure out what it is you want to do, what it is you want to be, where it is you feel God calling you to. Let's figure that out. Let's figure out what you feel called to do, who you feel called to be before we call you Hall, okay? Let's figure that out first. And then let's make steps based off of that. But it was a very difficult and challenging question she was wrestling with, where it didn't seem like any easy answers. It didn't seem like any path that was just going to be a simple choice to make. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like you were in a situation with no easy answers? Ever felt like you're in a situation with no easy fixes? And the problem you're facing may not have an obvious or an easy solution. Maybe you've got health concerns for our parents or for a child. Maybe there are work challenges where you are. Maybe there are difficulties in your own health. I don't know, but quite often in our life, we run up to situations where we don't know the right thing to do. We don't know the right answer, and it can feel overwhelming and paralyzing when we don't know. We're starting a new school year, and so many of us looking at a new school year, yes, with potential, but also with a variety of challenges and changes and worries and fears and these things. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming. And you become paralyzed by your inability to know what to do or to know what choice may be best. I know me that I'm a fixer. I've always taken great delight in being a fixer. I've always taken pride in being a fixer. That's what I'm good at. I'm good, I'm good at fixing stuff. That's what I'm good at. So I found in my life recently, God's given me a bunch of stuff that I can't fix. He's given me a bunch of stuff in my life that I have no power to fix. And it is incredibly humbling 
and incredibly challenging to know that. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there. Today in the text, we see something interesting. Max Lucado wrote a great book a few years back, well, a few decades back now, called The Eye of the Storm, which is where he unpacks this day in the life of Jesus. You know, each of the four Gospels have a little bit of a different um, perspective. Matthew's Gospel is very Jewish. Mark's Gospel is kind of Roman. Luke's Gospel is very Gentile. And then John's just over here doing his own thing. They're all different in that way. And so they tell stories a little bit of a different perspective, a little bit of a different, uh, sometimes even a little bit of a little different even order at times. And what's interesting is that this day here, this day described in the story here, is told roughly the same in all four of the same Gospels. Well, what starts off, is, starts off this, we didn't read this section, but I alluded to it. John the Baptist is beheaded. That's Jesus' best friend, y'all. John the Baptist was his cousin, but he was also the first person to recognize that Jesus was the Son of God. Scripture says that he leapt in the womb of his mother Elizabeth when Mary was there. So John the Baptist was Jesus' closest friend, and he was just executed by the king. So what does Jesus do? He withdraws. That's what I want to do when I go through a bad time or bad situation. I want to get away. I want to withdraw from everybody and just go off to the side and do my own thing. So Jesus does this. Jesus withdraws. But what happens? What happens? Well, the crowds follow him. The crowds follow him. Jesus is trying to withdraw and grieve over the death of his best friend. Jesus is trying to find a space of quiet to pray and reflect, and yet the crowd still follows him. But what does Jesus do when he sees this? Scripture says he has compassion. He heals their sick. So they follow him. And they're in Galilee, which is nothing but hills. There's nothing out there. So they find themselves now at the end of this day, the end of this day, this terrible day, this day where Jesus had his heart broken in the death of his friends, and they he, he find themselves there. And it's getting late. And the disciples say, um, hey, Jesus, like, um, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. Like, they ain't even got a dollar general out here, Jesus. Like, there ain't nothing. So why don't you send them off? Send them back. Send them back. Because nothing we can do. Send them off. Let them get something to eat. It'll be okay. So that's what they're dealing with. They're tired. They were trying to get away. The people follow them. And now they got a bunch of hungry folk with nothing to do. So send them off. And what's Jesus say? They say, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Wait, what? Wait. Didn't you just hear? They ain't got no Walmart. Didn't you just hear? Jesus, there's nothing here. We're in the middle of nowhere. 
We got these hungry folk that are tired that we've been healing, and you now tell me we get them something to eat. I know you're the Messiah, but this is crazy. What are you talking about? You get them something to do? You fix it? You do it? Whew. That's a lot, y'all. Isn't that how we feel about our problems? What am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? Where am I going to move to? What am I going to do for a career? How am I going to deal with this illness in my family? How am I going to deal with this work stress? How am I going to deal with my children? How am I going to deal with my toddlers? How am I going to deal with my teenagers? How am I going to deal with my older parents? What am I going to do? Because did not Jesus, did not Jesus say, you do it. You get them something to eat. You fix it. And how often, how often in our lives are we broken? Are we exhausted? Are we overwhelmed? Because we run up against these problems that seem to have no answer. We, we go to this door that we can't open. We find this lock we can't crack. We find this puzzle we can't solve. We find our lives overwhelmed with problems that we don't have the ability to fix. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? How are we going to solve it? Is that not where we feel like most of us are nowadays? What are we going to do to fix all of this? And it's so painful when we don't have the answers. It's so hard when we don't know what to do. It is overwhelming. It is embarrassing. It is humiliating. It is humbling. When we have these problems that we cannot fix, what do I do, Jesus? What do I do? All we got is a few loaves and a few fish, and we got all these folk here to feed. I don't even know what to do with that. I don't even know what to do with that. How often in our lives are we there? The problems are so large, and they're unsolvable, and we've got nothing left, and we've got nothing left. They need not leave. You give them something to, do, something to eat. And the disciples did just that. But what did they do? They didn't hitchhike back into Jerusalem. You know what they did? They took him to Jesus. It says, the text says, and he said, bring them here to me. So what the disciples do in this situation with this problem that was unsolvable? What did they do in this challenge that was too great? What did they do to this door that was locked? They took them to Jesus. Y'all, the question we should not ask is this, what am I to do? The question we should ask is, Jesus, what would you have me do? We get so frustrated, we get so scared, we get so angry, we get so undone, because every challenge in life, we try to solve it ourselves. 
We try to crack the nut. We try to, try to turn the bolt. We try to do it. We are the disciples saying, Lord, this is a big problem. I don't know what to do. The question we ask is, what am I to do? That's not the question. The question is, Jesus, what would you have me to do? That's the question. And that's the path. If we attempt to solve these problems we face, no matter what they may be, work, family, church, on our own strength, in our own might, of our own ability. And y'all, let me be clear. I'm a fixer. Okay? I was once sent to a church that was about ready to close. And the current Bishop McAuley said, Andy, we're sending you there because if they can't work with you, they can't work with anybody. Okay? That's who I am. And so it's so frustrating to see problems that don't have easy answers or easy solutions. It's humbling. It's humiliating. It's frustrating. It's everything, isn't it? It's angering. It's all these things. And if we're going to try to solve problems, personal, professional, spiritual, on our own strength, we will continue to be frustrated. We will continue to be afraid. We will continue to be broken. We will continue to be worn out. We will continue to be at our wit's end if we're trying to do these things on our own strength. The question is not, what should I do? The question is, Jesus, what would you have me to do? Today, he gives them this mission that's too big. And they take them to Jesus. They take them to Jesus. They take them to Jesus. If we're going to navigate any of the waters we're navigating based on our own intellect, our own strength, our own might, or our own goodness, our own morality, our own whatever. We're just going to get angrier and angrier and madder and madder and more frustrated and more frustrated and more humiliated and more whatever. Jesus, what would you have me to do? And that's the path we walk. Even if that path looks hard. Even if that path was not the path we would take. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Psalm 119, 104. Love it. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Great psalm. It's a, it's a, it's a, basically, it's a poem the, the, the psalmist wrote. It's a poem of worship and wisdom. Starting off with every letter of the Hebrew alphabet and just a stanza of every letter. And Psalm 119, 104 says this. Thy words are lamb to my feet. And a light unto my path. Thou wert a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That sounds pretty, but here's the problem. Lights and lamps don't give you enough light, do they? You know what a light and a lamp will give you? Just enough light for the next step. And the next step. And the next step. And the next step. And the next step. God may not show you where he wants you ten steps from now. You know why? You may not go. 
If he showed you where he wanted you 10 steps from go, you, if he showed you where he wanted you 10 steps from now, he, you may not go. You may say, Lord, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I can't feed these people. What are you talking about? I can't do that. He doesn't always give us enough light for 10 steps from now. But he will give us enough light for the next faithful step and the next faithful step and the next faithful step and the next faithful step. And if we take the light given to us, he will have us exactly where he needs us 10 steps from now. Not what should I do, O Lord, but what would you have me to do, Jesus? When we take the next faithful step, we will wind up where God wants us. I had another conversation recently with another friend of mine who, uh, he has changed careers four times and he's about 40 years old. And he's, every career change has been something insane. And if he would have told me when I met him 10 years ago that he was doing what he's doing now, I would say, There's no, 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 you, no, you're not doing that. You, that, is, that is simply not you. You're not doing that. But in every journey of life, when he's come to the fork in the road, it seems almost like God has chosen him to take the fork that was most unlike who he was. And I'm like, Okay, Lord, this does not make any sense, but if that's what you're calling him to do, then he should do it. And he's taken every fork and has led him to a place that I don't think he would have chosen to be there. I don't think it's the choice that he would have made based off his own design, his own intellect, his own ability, his own whatever. But I can tell you that he now is doing what he's supposed to be doing in this season taking care of his wife and of his children and of his family and being a faithful follower of Christ. The problems he has faced, if he had tried to solve them of his own mind and his own will and his own strength, he would not have wound up where he wound up. But I can tell you, he's smack dab in the middle of where God wants him. Not, what should I do? But what would you have me to do, Jesus? You get them something to eat. You do it. The way we do it is we take it to Jesus. We take the problem to Jesus. We don't do it of our own strength. We don't do it of our own mind. We don't do it of our own intellect. We don't do it of our own will. But we give it to Jesus. And when we faithfully follow where he has led, we will faithfully be where we should be. May we have the grace to follow our Savior wherever it is he leads. Let's pray.